0: It's the other side of midnight with Frank Marano. Frank Marano.
1: The other side of
0: midnight presents The Midnight Files. Midnight in the desert Shooting stars across the sky This magical journey Will take us on a ride Filled with the longing Searching for the truth Will we make it till tomorrow Will the sun shine on you desert i This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. It's no secret that we spend a great deal of time on this program discussing what used to be known as UFOs, which is increasingly becoming known as UAPs. And because of that, when I meet listeners in real life, when listeners will email me or call in, they will ask me one of my least favorite questions, which is, do you believe in UFOs? And the reason that it's one of my least favorite questions is because it's totally ridiculous and it's absolutely the wrong question. We have seen... Video after video, including by respected military sources and heard the audio of very accomplished naval pilots, among others, seeing UFOs, objects that are flying that they can't explain and they can't identify. So really, the question shouldn't be, do you believe in UFOs? Because anybody that can see or hear should be believing in UFOs. The bigger question and the broader question and the much greater mystery is what— are these objects. Someone who has spent several decades researching those questions is Richard Dolan. He is one of the world's leading UFO researchers, historians, and publishers. He's written four groundbreaking books. These include two volumes of history UFO on UFOs in the national security state, and a book that explores what the world would be like after Disclosure. Very pleased to welcome to the program, Richard Dolan. Richard, thanks so much for joining me on the radio.
1: Hi, Frank. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Richard, what was it that sparked your interest in this field about three decades ago?
1: Yeah, it's been a little while. I did not grow up thinking I would want to research UFOs, much, much less spend my whole life doing it. That was never my plan. Uh, I guess my plan was to teach at a university. That's what I thought I wanted to do. I love history. Uh, That's my professional training. And in fact, I was working on a PhD in history at the University of Rochester in upstate New York here. And uh, I did a lot of European history and a lot of U.S. diplomacy, national security studies. And that was really my direction, or so I thought. And I walked into a bookstore one day in the early 1990s, and I saw uh, what is actually, among UFO people, a pretty famous book, called Above Top Secret, and the subtitle was The Worldwide UFO Cover-Up. And I remember just looking at that book and thinking, oh, wow, this looks like a, this is a pretty big, fat book. What's in here? And I knew nothing about UFOs, but as uh, so I wasn't a skeptic. I wasn't a believer. I was probably like most people, just thinking, yeah, I wonder what's going on with that. But the the thing that got me with it was, you know, here I was at the time studying. I was immersed in studying U.S. Cold War history, so I was all about Harry Truman and the 1940s and the 50s, and you know, the birth of the CIA and all of all of this uh, stuff. And and here I'm opening up this UFO book, and here's this author who's talking about all of the people and the departments that I was actually studying at the time in my academic life but here he is connecting them to the UFO subject. And it was this moment of like great cognitive dissonance that I had thinking, wait a second, well, how come I, is this real? And if this is real, how have I never once encountered this in a single scholarly book ever? Like, what is wrong? Even if the, and I thought, even if these guys were wrong, these admirals, these CIA directors, these generals that he's quoting, Uh, that even if they were wrong about their interest in in these flying saucers, as they were called back then, isn't that interesting? Like, did the military ever figure out what these things were? Why were they interested? Uh, And all of these questions just just crashed into my brain, and I thought, all right, I'm going to buy this book, which I did, and I read it, and it was fascinating. The author was Timothy Good. He's still around. He's a great author, great researcher. And that set me off to the races. And but even then, I didn't expect that I would just spend the rest of my life doing this. But what I thought I would do is spend maybe a month or two or maybe three months. And I thought, I'm going to resolve this for myself. I want to figure out, is this a thing or is this not a thing? Is this something I need to know about in my study of history or not? I just I didn't like having this big question mark hanging over my head and over the, the stuff that I was Thinking I was going to try to be an expert at like, right? Is there something to do this or not? So I thought, good. I'll just go in this simple, easy peasy. Read a few books, figure it out. Well, that's you know, this was just pulled me into the quicksand because what I realized very quickly was that there were quite a few uh, documents that were released through Freedom of Information that didn't suggest, they didn't hint, they proved, absolutely proved that the United States military was encountering. Many, many, many times, these UFOs, these flying saucers, back in the 1940s and 50s and 60s and beyond, in ways that did not make any conventional sense whatsoever. And it's one thing to get a story from someone who's who's credible and and they're talking to you, but when you're reading a military document, a declassified document, and you're reading the actual accounts of a pilot who says this was a solar white saucer. It flew right under my aircraft. I felt the bump from the air as it passed under me. That's literally in one report from 1950, 51. And there's just countless ones of those, Uh, you know, airspace violations of like our nuclear installations in the 1940s and 50s. And Mm. you think about that, you go back to the 1940s, what's more important than America's nuclear Uh, uh, facilities. And yet what they were finding, this is over Los Alamos National Labs, the Hanford Nuclear Plant in the state of Washington, the Oak Ridge Nuclear Laboratories in Tennessee, these places and several others like that were scenes of repeated violations of airspace by objects that were described like flying saucers by highly qualified personnel. And then you know, I read those, and then I'm reading the responses of the generals and the directors of the CIA and high-level officials in CIA. It's obvious they were taking it very seriously. At the same time, they're telling the public nothing to it, nothing to see here. And so when you start to see this discrepancy – I mean I was hooked, I, I have to say. Like it was – I was a couple of months in. I was totally hooked, and I have been <laughs> doing this – ever since. Wow. It it won't let go.
0: So you came to it from a place of intellectual curiosity and then what you learned about it once you started going down this road only made you more curious, essentially.
1: Yes, that's right. And in fact, that's perfectly put. Um, Every little answer that I would get would open up another dozen questions. Like, for example, it was like not just one rabbit hole, it was countless rabbit holes. So once I can, persuaded myself that this was a, a genuinely serious problem for the national security elite in, in the 40s. They figured it out that they're like, this is a problem. So once I, I realized that, then I asked myself, well, how the heck do they keep this under wraps? How do they control the media? How do they control the politicians? How do they keep this out of the academic world? Where you know you would think someone would, would try to break through and, and talk about this, and that just led me into a, all of these other areas of study, basically a study of how the United National Security State, as I will often call it, manages all of the institutions of our society in part to elicit control, to maintain control over this subject. And this isn't the only subject, of course. I mean, in my opinion, this is just me. I think there's been a cabal of, of mafioso-like criminals running our system for a long, long time. But the UFO problem is one of the things that they are seeking to manage, and they will manage the media. They will manage the politicians, and they will definitely manage the academic world. And so it, it the UFO phenomenon has just taken me into a very – I guess I could say a comprehensive review of not just all of American history, but really the history of the modern world.
0: Well, you said quite a bit there, and I want to follow up on on a bunch of it, especially the aspect of the national security state. But uh, before we talk about what the military knows and how they've used this information Talk to me a little bit about the differences or or similarities between the military encounters of these UFOs or UAPs and civilians that have had sightings of UFOs or UAPs. Does the military experience tend to mirror the civilian experience? Is it different in some significant way? And if so, how?
1: Okay, that's a fantastic question. So I I haven't even really asked myself that, but I can I can. I think I can answer this. Uh, essentially, the, the the experiences are very com- comparable. So frequently what you will uh, – because I look at a lot of civilian UFO reports, of course, and they're often baffling. Uh, but what you'll see is late night. There's a lot of late night activity. These These things are stealthy. In my view, whether they're dealing with military or non-military – they generally speaking, I don't think they want to be seen. Sometimes, sometimes they will be seen, but they're, they, I a mean, the typical thing, I, I'll read a report from a, a person who'll say, I was, t- it was two in the morning, I couldn't sleep, I went outside and I was able to see a, like a black triangle or a black saucer hovering about 200 feet over my neighbor's house. Like I cannot tell you how many times I'll I'll read reports like that, and I'm thinking, what is this thing doing, hovering over some neighborhood at two in the morning? Well, and then it, it would just glide off, or it would it would vanish, or whatever. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of these mysterious, like these objects are hanging out. What are they doing? I ask myself this question frequently. What are they doing? Are they abducting people? Are they doing something else? Are doing mind probing? Who knows? Then with the military encounters, they are different in a way because with the military, a lot of the times these things will be encountered while – if it's like a Navy ship at sea or an Army base or an Air Force base, they will encounter an object when they are not expecting it. And in the military's case, they are, at least in theory, obligated to deal with it at least in theory. They don't always deal with it. In fact, they often don't, because I don't think that they can. Um, I was just looking at a couple of Navy cases just uh, two days ago, and in all of these cases, objects, I mean, you've got these ships way out at sea, and they're encountering a craft sometimes seen exiting from the water that are then joining with larger craft that, have, that were able, at least according to the witness, disable all communications and weapon systems aboard the aircraft carrier. This was a story uh, aboard the USS Franklin D. Roosevelt from the 1950s that I was just reviewing. I think it's true. I have another story about the USS John F. Kennedy from 1971, a very similar thing where communications were shut down on the, on the carrier for about 20 minutes. And, uh, and many more recent ones, too. These aren't just all the ancient times. So I think I think the, the capabilities are very similar. Uh, these things can shut down an aircraft carrier. They can shut down weapons systems. Or if they're in your home, they can shut you down. Mm. They, if they don't want you to move a muscle, you're not going to move a muscle. So there's a tremendous amount of capability, in my view, when I – when I look at the reports and the stories and the testimony of a very wide range of people. So I don't know. I don't know if I answered your question. I think very so.
0: know. Well, I, I, I think so. Um, uh, you, you alluded to the, the incident on the USS Franklin Roosevelt in the 1950s. I think for me and I think a lot of our listeners, what made this issue mainstream was when The New York Times put these images on their front page in December of 2017 and released the videos from naval pilots uh, that were flying off the coast of the Nimitz in what I believe was uh, 2004. So what you're saying essentially is that the military experience with UFOs, it did not begin uh, 10 or 20 years ago. This goes back to the 1950s to the 1940s.
1: That's exactly right. And, in fact, this is one of the issues that if there's one thing that I'm very concerned about, almost worried about, is how it seems to me, like when you get these Pentagon talking points now about UAP, which to me is their way of rebranding this whole subject, it's almost as if the whole thing just started in the 21st century for them, and and it allows them to tell the public – Oh, yes, we're looking into this when we learn what this is, we'll get back to you when, in fact, they have been dealing with this and uh, trying to deal with this for an entire human lifetime. So with that, is, with that in so mind, very dishonest, it's well, very dishonest
0: with that in mind, then. So the military, at least the top echelons of the military, There seem to be two schools of thought about this with folks that I've uh, spoken to. Some people believe that the military is just as much in the dark as the public is. And there's others that believe the military knows exactly what's going on here. You seem to be in the category that believes that the military knows what's going on.
1: Yeah. Well, I would qualify that and I would say that a sliver of of people who have proper clearances – within the military probably know what's going on. I, I would hazard to, uh, I, I would confidently say that the vast majority of the military, and this includes senior staff, very well may not have been briefed on this. I once had a conversation with a retired, uh, fairly high level CIA, um, um, he was above officer level. He, this is a man who used to brief, brief US presidents on certain matters. And uh, deep interest in the UFO subject and, and a lot of knowledge about it. And uh, it was kind of nice for me to be able to chat with him. And I at one point asked him <laughs> you know, the question that everyone basically would ask is like, how high up does this go? Do the presidents know? And like we got into all of this. One thing he said to me was that uh, he's a very exact man. He said in my retirement – I have had conversations with 18 individuals, he said, who were either former U.S. presidents, former secretaries of defense, or assistant secretaries of defense. So people at that level, right? So like the pinnacle of U.S. government power uh, structure. And he said – and in each of those instances, uh, I brought up – we brought up the subject of UFOs, or I brought it up. And he said their reactions fell into three categories. He said category number one, which he, he said exactly, he said was three or four people. He didn't say it was three. He didn't say it was four. He said three or four people. Their reaction was, oh, UFOs, stop wasting your time with that nonsense. That's that's ridiculous. He said another group, two or three people, he said, replied by stating, oh, yes, that's I've been briefed on that. And uh, – just kind of acknowledge that this was something that they knew about and then he said by far the largest group of people uh, probably more than 10 of them their reaction was oh ufos what do you know about that i i, I had been trying to find out and i've not been able to get a thing that is literally what he said to me and so i said what are you telling me like he says well, what do you think that the top formal uh Leadership in the United States itself is locked out by and large of this subject. Uh, His belief, which I think that I agree with, is that you're dealing with a combination of public but also private, powerful interests that are working behind the (laughs) scenes. And who really doubts that? When you look at the structure of power, forget UFOs, just look at the United States government We all know, everyone knows that the real power is always behind the president. It's the money. It's the – and so it's the same with the UFO subject. You have private uh, corporations and financial and – I mean I don't know who these people are, but this is what he has said to me, and I think it's true.
0: Uh, You… Raised an issue that I was going to bring up and in your conversation with this uh, with this government figure about what presidents actually know it, understanding that. understanding that uh, that uh, a lot of the power of the presidency is not with one individual but with the public and private institutions behind that individual. By the way, if people are just tuning in we 're talking with uh, richard dolan he 's written a lot of books on this subject they 're available on Amazon. you could also check out his website, Richard Dolan members.com. There's a lot of great content on there, Richard Dolan. RichardDolanMembers.com. Understanding that a lot of the power of the presidency is not within the individual itself, but um, behind that individual, what do presidents know? Does Biden know what's up? Did Trump, did Obama, did Clinton? Yeah. Do these guys know yeah. what's
1: going on? I asked him this very question, although I have to tell you, I asked him... This was a long time ago. So I asked him at the end of George W. Bush. So I asked him. This is a 2008 conversation that I was having with him. Uh, But we can talk about Biden. We can talk about Trump and Obama in a moment. But what this man said to me, he knew going back to Jimmy Carter, he said Carter was briefed. That's something that I've that a lot of us have thought Carter was briefed in 1977, his first year in the White House. And and this man wasn't present at the briefing, but he had a very close associate who was there when the door opened and saw Carter apparently uh, deeply upset over the briefing. It it is not known to this gentleman what was told to the president, but it is uh, pretty certain that Jimmy Carter was briefed in June of 1977. And uh, he said Ronald Reagan definitely knew. George Bush Sr. definitely knew, and he said, I've never been able to figure out if Bill Clinton really was briefed or not. The word on the street was that Bill Clinton was not able to get a sufficient briefing on this, which personally I go back and forth on that. But then beyond Clinton, you've got – George W. Bush. And this this uh, former CIA gentleman was very he didn't know for sure, but he was very skeptical about George W. Bush. And what he had said was. Presidents come and go. Some are reliable. Some are not reliable. He said the professionals are there forever Mm. and they will. And he said, you know, also presidents have to be in front of the camera, you got to kiss the babies, you got to shake the hands of the dignitaries. It's like you've got hundreds of deeply classified dangerous programs that are going on within the intelligence community including dealing with UFOs and he said realistically you got to ask yourself how many of these presidents can really be on top of all of this. Truthfully, it's just it's almost not it's not humanly possible even if a president is on his game and is very with it and wants to know that it's very difficult, so I think he didn't believe that George W. Bush was briefed as far as with Obama or Trump or Biden we don't we don't really know i I suspect that each of them has known something I, I don't know about with Biden uh, I think with Donald Trump, my sense has been uh, I always always picked trump as someone who would be interested in the ufo subject Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i mean the guy was a private citizen most of his life he wasn't a career politician and just the way trump always has been is someone who's just like yeah i want to know and i i I have when trump got elected i was almost predicting a a 2 a.m tweet from him saying hey everyone it's real (laughs) like i was, was but it never did happen but you know don jr is into the subject that was well known and there were a couple of moments when Trump was president where the UFO subject was discussed. Uh, Lou Dobbs, who's a friend of Donald Trump's, clearly was interested in UFOs himself, talked to Trump about it. Uh, there's no question that Donald Trump has information about it. In my opinion, I think he knows. But the problem with, with Trump is that the entire intelligence community was at war with him. And the real question is, what, what would they allow him to know? So
0: you, you I think, put your finger on exactly what I think a lot of people are curious about. You talk about this permanent government that exists in Washington and within the national security apparatus, people within the intelligence community and the State Department that are there, irrespective of who gets elected to Congress or who gets elected to the presidency. At various times, this has been called the deep state, the permanent government, yeah. the national security state, whatever the case may be. A two-part question here. What role, as far as you're concerned, has the uh, d- deep state played in the UFO issue? And why does the deep state want this information kept from the public? What What's the worst that could yeah. happen if the public became aware of the truth?
1: Excellent question. So to answer that, we have to rewind the clock, like basically 80 years back to the 1940s. So, pretend that you are President Harry Truman and it's 1947 and Roswell just happened, right? So let's pretend that happened and pretend that this was all real, which I believe it was. I think it was an extraterrestrial event. That's my opinion. So if if, if that is so, Truman would have his top military people come to him and inform him. They would say, Mr. President, we have obtained... Uh, technology that does not appear to have come from this civilization and bodies as well that don't appear to be human. So now you're the president. You have to decide what do you do about this information? Are you going to tell the world? You might want to tell the world. That might be your instinct. But I guarantee you, your advisors will say, Ah, hold on a second. We don't know the first thing about these beings. We don't know if they're friend or foe. We don't know what we're dealing with. You're going to open up this whole can of worms. And then what? And then also, we've got this technology. Do we want to share this with the Russians? Seriously? These questions would clearly be front row center, because it's one thing if you've got this technology, you're basically holding the future in your hands. The United States didn't want the Russians to have access to our atomic nuclear technology in 1947. That was a huge issue at Mm. the time. How on earth would they possibly want... To let the world know, oh yes, we've got this stuff that's even better than nukes. Uh, no way. So there would be a lot of motivations from national security, the national security perspective alone, to say no. Let's provisionally keep this secret. Let's decide maybe in five years we can revisit this. But the problem with a strategy like that is that tomorrow never comes. Like you never, you never get to a point where you think, oh yeah, let's share this because. You think about the radical implications of of a a UFO, something that can hover without making a sound and then instantly accelerate or zigzag. Well, whatever that thing is using for propulsion, it's not high-octane gasoline. It's something beyond that, which implies, when you really consider it, an end to the petroleum era as our primary source of energy. Now, People would think about that. Well, that's, that's great. Let's let's move on. But in the 1940s and 50s, there was no petroleum shortage. U.S. was making money hand over fist with petroleum, and it seemed like there'd be enough forever. So, like, why rock the boat? So, so opening up the whole UFO subject and acknowledging it. Uh, my feeling, my assessment is that it would only be a, a matter of time before the technology behind this would have to be discussed. And it would probably potentially cause a revolution that would be unsettling to those people who were running the United States empire, which is really what this is. We're, we've, we're like Rome. You know. Rome started as a republic. America started as a republic. Rome became an empire. And America, particularly after the Second World War, became a global empire. And so those, those men running that empire in the 1940s and 50s, the same men who killed the president in 1963 in the name of empire, they, they don't think like ordinary people. They are managing the world. And they will talk about democracy, they'll talk about freedom, doesn't mean a thing to them. That's, that's all, that's all for, for show, of course. They are managing this. They're playing hardball. And so for them, giving up the UFO secret is just too much of a downside. And now, now that the secret's gone for so long, that's, that's a whole other problem.
0: Richard, I'm almost out of time, and I'd love to do a part two because I haven't even scratched the surface with you about the a lot of the issues that you've been writing about for years, and I'm wondering if maybe we, next week we could pick a day to do a full hour. But I do want to ask you this. A lot of folks acknowledge the images that we all see, and they say one of two things, that it has nothing to do with extraterrestrials or something otherworldly, essentially that these these UFO sightings can be explained as missing identifications of natural phenomenon, or maybe Mm -hmm. they're uh, technology from high-end military contractors, or maybe they are experimental technology from a foreign government. Uh, What do you say to those three theories, natural phenomenon, high-end American military technology, or foreign government technology?
1: Yeah, I mean, all of those sound great in theory, as long as you don't read too many UFO reports <laughs> when you start getting into the details it becomes very difficult to make these arguments and by the way these were these were arguments being made 80 years ago as mm. well this is an old game and you know when you've got uh, when you start reading one military report that talks about an object zigzagging and instantly accelerating that's one thing when you read 10 that talk about similar capabilities, then you have to start wondering, okay, what's actually going on? When you read 100 and you, you see how seriously the United States military behind the scenes has been taking this subject, while at the same time they are telling the public that it's misidentification of natural phenomena, or uh, as the CIA did about almost 30 years ago, 1997, 50th anniversary of roswell the cia historian put out a paper that said oh yeah all of those ufos that people were seeing in the 50s that was just us flying the u2 spy plane and we didn't want people to know and when you read these arguments the absurdity of it was so patently obvious but here's the thing they've got i mean you're not part of this obviously but when you look at the vast mainstream media apparatus they take these reports from the cia and they just plaster them and repeat them and it becomes the mantra it becomes the dogma so the devil's in the details and certainly there are cases of ufo reports that are misidentifications of natural phenomena of course absolutely there are uh, advanced aircraft that can be deceiving absolutely true there there are you know the human perceptions are not perfect. We are fallible. But the thing is, we're also pretty good witnesses most of the time. And so when you, you know, I I don't, I've lost track of how many UFO reports I have studied thousands, many thousands. And there are certain patterns that just come through again and again with them. And my faith is in the powers of human observation. And I do think most of the time, most people are pretty good witnesses. And so what I just seek to do is I read the reports carefully. When they get an investigation, that's good. Most of the time, UFO sightings don't get investigated. There's just too many. But, uh, again, it, you answer that question by delving into the details of individual reports, and I just don't think it's a legitimate objection that all of them are conventional on that
0: basis. Richard, we're going to have to uh, leave it there. I do hope we can pick this up next week because I have a lot of other questions for you. Uh, We've been talking with Richard Dolan. Check out his books. Uh, You can go to his website, RichardDolanMembers.com. Richard, thanks for the time.
1: Oh, it was my pleasure, Frank. Thank you.
0: Thank you. If you want to comment on any portion of our conversation, you can give me a call. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The other side of midnight.